0: Ready to Simply Cyber. folks today is tuesday november 15th welcome to episode number 241 of simply cyber's daily cyber threat briefing i'm your host dr gerald Ozier and over the next 45 minutes i'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing my expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner how can you operationalize it what can we do with this information to help deliver cyber risk reduction to our employers and our businesses And if you're looking to break in the industry, listen to me, I guarantee you, you will be asked in an interview, how do you stay current? Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is a home run response to that question. Now, before we get into it, I wanna throw some love and shout out to the stream sponsor starting with Barricade Cyber Solutions. You can see their site right here on the stream. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at cyberbarricadecyber.com. link in the description below. Also want to throw some love to Eric Capuano and the whole team over at Recon InfoSec. If your organization is large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns, but maybe not quite large enough to build a full-fledged security operations capability from the ground up, check out the managed detection and response mdr offering from recon infosec their offering includes the people process and technology required to deliver full spectrum security operations to organizations of any size you get fully managed sim and soar and you gain full visibility into any uh ongoing incident investigations in your environment that are being by the uh worked by the recon sock team Go to ReconInfosec.com, links in the description below. Really the use case here is if you guys um, need more cybersecurity practitioners, you don't have anybody looking at logs, you don't know what's going on. If something happens, it's kind of a wreck uh, for you know responding and stuff like that. Um, MDR is a great option to gain that visibility. Uh, and whereas like Barricade Cyber is like you get hit in the mouth with ransomware and you need instant uh, people to deploy on your environment. That's what's going on. So two great businesses, security businesses run by security people. Links in the description below. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications like SysP, SysM, SysA, et cetera, and you need to do CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat, as many of you are doing right now, I love it. You will be documenting literally the easiest and I wouldn't argue the most enjoyable way uh, to earn CPEs. Although I will say Red Siege's Offensive Wednesdays and Recon Infosex Thursday defenses are pretty good ways to earn CPEs also. If you are live with us right now, love it. I see 78 of us in here, awesome. Be sure to say what's up if you're watching on replay hashtag team replay i know many of you are devout team replay uh viewers i want to say what's up to you thanks for catching the stream be sure to say what's up hashtag team replay in chats now if you want to jump to the news team replay you know the routine just jump forward a few minutes but otherwise if you're here live i always like to spend a few minutes and say what's up to the chat how's everybody doing good to see you chat hey terrence billingsley thanks for the squad sport haircut fish i see you dan Reardon. Jeremy Williams in the house love it love it love it Joel Belton's here love you Joel Jeff Fuller how you doing hey Tom Bishop good morning to you too. be sex in the house hey Kimberly Carrie's here Justin Loken yeah guys hopefully you enjoy the new music I've been trying to go with copyright free see how I feel with it on the show obviously uh we are making the transition slowly so you can bet your butt Daft Punk Worldwide Wednesday uh will be happening tomorrow Nick Barker on the West Coast coming in hot. You like the 10 a.m. Eastern times. Hey, Doris over in Germany. Good to see you. Thanks for the squad support, Cyber Munchkin. It's Owens here. What up? Hey, Carrie, good to see you, Raquel Lopez. Um, Good morning from Spain. Good afternoon from Spain. I love it. Hey, Michael Vito. Guys, if you don't know, I'm really excited. Yesterday, we did a live premiere right after the stream. Today's gonna be another one, so we're doing a double banger here. If you guys know anyone or you work in hospitality and you're looking to move into cyber, we are doing a hospitality to cyber episode. Right after this, I interviewed Gary Sturgiatis, who was a bartender for many years, worked in the service industry on lessons learned, best practices, uh, anything that he could help anyone who wants to make that jump. This is part of an ongoing series where I pick very specific things like truck driver, hospitality industry. Uh, and talk to people who have made the transition and get their take, their experience. Let me know in chat what what role or what industry you would like to see next, and I will make it a point to find someone in our community who has done it and get their story. All right, guys, that's gonna do it for uh, the intros. Sit back, relax, and let's get into today's cybersecurity news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines.
1: It's Tuesday, November 15th, 2022. Australia considers ban on ransomware payments. We've been covering the details and fallout from the most recent high-profile hack to hit Australia, impacting the insurance provider, MetaBank. Combined with the Optus breach, personal data on a large percentage of Australians became exposed this year. Now, Australia's Home Affairs Minister, Claire O'Neill, proposed making ransomware payments illegal, with the aim of decreasing profitability for such breaches. Critics of the proposal say it would move ransom payments underground using third parties in other jurisdictions. The government also announced the formation of a new cyber policing model between the AFP and the Australian Signals Directorate to create a joint standing operation against cyber attacks.
0: Okay, All right. So two things here. One, you know what? Way to go, Australia. Internal Stranger, all those. Oh, some gifted subs coming out. Who's gifted subs are these? Uh, Is this I can't read this because it's all tight. Um I'm sorry whoever gifted the subs thank you very much uh whoever receives these gifted subs be sure to check out the emotes and thank you so much for supporting uh Joel uh, genuinely appreciate it Joel thank you guys so Australia I love the response right here Australia gets hit in the mouth uh w- like with like a really good right haymaker and immediately they take action legislatively so they're they're considering banning ransomware remember the United States got hit Multiple times, over and over again, and like we we talk about different ideas. We do have joint task force. White House is holding summits. We're doing things, but Australia is moving with the quickness here, like a small business. They get hit in the face, and they're like, "Okay, wh- how do we address this? Let's make ransomware payments illegal." Now, on the surface, this does do a good idea of D, de- D, de- um, demotivating, um threat actors from thinking like, well, if we hit an Australian person, they're not going to be able to pay the ransom. So there's no point in doing that. At the same time though, um, there's a real friction here because if you are an Australian business and you do get hit and now it's illegal to pay the ransom, your business is still going to suffer. It doesn't, I mean, it it kind of demotivates the, the threat actors, but at the end of the day, you're putting real pressure on the business. And as they said in the story, the businesses may try to find workarounds, Uh, third parties to pay the money, Uh, you get into all these sorts of situations, which I don't think is a good idea. Because if we look at what just happened to Uber, where, you know, the executives tried to work with the the hackers kind of on the sly, uh, and it didn't turn out very well uh, for Mr. Sullivan there, who's now going to be going to jail for it. So I think it will be a deterrent uh, in that Businesses won't be paying the ransom, but at the same time, um, when you're a business and you're put in a situation where like the business is going to go under, or you pay this ransom, or you're gonna ha- like you're gonna lose your own job, or the business goes under, or uh, excuse me, you're gonna lose your own job if you don't pay the ransom or you don't get the data back. Um, you know, people, when they're pushed into a corner will do things. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's a good idea. I'll be curious to see how it materializes. The legislation isn't the thing. It's the first time a business gets hit and they can't pay the ransom, uh, and, and how that influences things. The second thing that they talked about, and I'm only bringing this up cause I want to use my sounder. That's the sound the they talk about, uh, developing kind of a joint task force. It seems like between the um, Australian Federal Police, I think that's what AFP stands for, and, you know, businesses and stuff like that. AFP and Australian Signals Directorate, right? So I think this would be like the FBI and CISA, if I, if correct me if I'm wrong, but AFP um, and the Australian Signals Directorate, I, I really think is like CISA or NIST, and AFP might be the, the federal police, uh, but I do like, I do like the idea. I like the idea of a joint task force. The only way to really, you know, coordinate and actually stand a chance against the threat actors, especially ransomware being as rampant as it is right now, is to, you know, pull the resources and work as a unified front. It's like unionizing, um, you know,
1: defensives, defensive capabilities, right? So let's do that. Thousands of sites used for brand impersonation. It turns out massive brand impersonation isn't just a problem for Twitter these days. According to a report from researchers at Cyjax, China-based threat actors known as Fengxiao operate a massive network of over 42,000 domains meant to impersonate popular brands. The group isn't new to the game, first spotted spoofing firms in 2017. It uses the sites to redirect users to adware, dating sites, and fraudulent giveaways, generating revenue from clients who pay for the traffic. The sites try to appear convincing with researchers noting extensive localization options the group appears to register roughly 300 new brand domains daily wow okay so two
0: things one this is an interesting um this is an interesting service okay so basically this feng xiao uh company um they basically offer business to business services where their businesses their clients that they serve are criminals Okay, so if you look at David Bianco's Pyramid of Pain, which I will pull up and <laughs> um, pull up here, because it, it is interesting, okay? If you look at the Pyramid of Pain, which you should definitely be familiar with if you're a practitioner, okay? So if this is news to you, Google David Bianco Pyramid of Pain. Of course, this is going to be all pixelated, but work with me, people. The higher up the pyramid you go, the more painful it is to the threat actor and the lower levels, hash value, IP address, domain names, they're not that hard. But like network artifacts and, and domain names, right? It's like simple and annoying. This is where you're getting into infrastructure. Okay, so Feng Xiao they offer this service where basically they'll de- they'll get the the IP and the web server and the profile picture, the the landing page, make it look like whatever brand you want to rip off, and then you buy it from them. They're like, hey, what do you want? Coca Cola, Kroger's. Um, IBM, like what is it that you want? Facebook, we'll give it to you. We'll set it up. It'll be a nice, uh, a nice landing page show. It's a business to business service. And they said they, they registered 300 domain names a day. So this, they're like a factory just pushing this out. Um, 42,000 fake websites. You got to be careful if you're a brand of any size, I don't care if you're small or big, although you get more bang for your buck with the big one. Um, you got to be careful. I will say I'm not sponsored by this group, but there is a company called Zero Fox, I think, or um, is it Zero Fox? Zero Fox, yeah. So I talked to these guys at Black Hat. I have a cool shirt that they gave me. That's what their business does. Their business is looking for stuff like that to see um, if if anyone's impersonating you, stuff like that. Again, I, I I've never used them. I can't endorse them one way or the other. But um, anyways, this is a real problem and one to be mindful of. If anyone else has gotten the Dick Sporting Goods Yeti cooler.
1: Um, that's probably one of these sites, so be mindful of that. GitHub gets private reporting. The code hosting provider announced it now offers a direct channel for security researchers to report vulnerabilities found in public repositories. Previously defaults on GitHub required researchers to report issues using the issues functionality or through a git request. Outside of these approaches, researchers could also resort to posting vulnerabilities on blogs or social media. These public means of reporting could tip off potential attackers. Admins of public repositories must enable the setting to receive private reporting. Oh,
0: that's actually so. This is pretty cool. Okay. Um, I know that this does not, um, they didn't mention this, and this may not have anything to do with like that massive open source uh, security initiative that like US government and, and um, Android US government and Google and Apple and Microsoft are all kind of and Amazon are all kind of spearheading together but this is another step in the right direction guys so as open source software becomes to be more looked at by security researchers Joe Hell of TCM security. Um, gave a talk at um, Wild West Hack and Fest on how to find CVEs and get them associated with you. And it, it's a lot of looking at GitHub repos and open source software. Um, there needs to be a mechanism for sharing that you found a vulnerability that isn't in the public um, you know, issue command. Because then uh, like a lower, a less sophisticated threat actor or lazy one, could just look through the um, issues tracker and, you know, bug fix requests and stuff like that for the devs and find strict vulnerabilities. You don't have to find the vulnerabilities. Like the security researchers will find them for you and then you can weaponize them. So introducing a private vulnerability reporting mechanism is really cool. I think that that's a nice move by GitHub. And it's kind of one of those things I feel like when you see it, you're like, huh, I like, I can't believe they didn't have that. Now, I never thought, personally like oh there should be a public i mean there should be a private reporting mechanism never thought that but now that i see it i think it's brilliant it's obvious and it it it's definitely um a good move so way to go github making it better for um security researchers frankly to share findings in a way that hopefully mitigates bad guys from taking advantage of it
1: seo campaign hits wordpress sites Security researchers at Securi report that since September 2022, it began tracking a surge in WordPress malware. This malware redirected site visitors to a fake Q&A site. It appears the organizers hope to boost search engine optimization with the campaign. Securi's own site check scanner detected over 2,500 impacted sites, while public WWW results show almost 15,000. The malware does not take a subtle approach, modifying an average of over 100 files per site. Usually, this type of malware seeks to limit file modifications to avoid detection. It's unclear what initial vector infects the sites.
0: Interesting. Okay. So, you know, I've done a little bit of SEO, search engine optimization research, in, in hopes of having more people find Simply Cyber and find our daily cyber threat briefing. But by no means am I an expert in any capacity. Um. But SEO is basically the marketing people's magic sauce, pixie dust, that makes your result come up in Google searches, okay? Or searching anywhere, but Google's the, you know, let, let's be real. Most people search Google. So by doing SEO and really weaponizing it, they are able to promote uh, q and websites. Now it says fake website, uh, fake QA portals, but based on what I was seeing in the story, it looks like it's more... Uh, Q and A websites like um, what's the big one that everybody uses? I, it, I'm blanking on it right now. Um, oh my god, Stack Exchange, I think. Uh, and there's a couple other ones where people like you don't you just like you know copy paste copy paste code. Try to have a problem, you you cop copy paste code, right? So b- by by um, going into some of these sites and actually creating malicious code it's it, to me, it kind of feels like a, like a prey and spray and prey model, prey and spray model, meaning, um, you don't know who's going to click on it. You don't know who's going to install it. You don't know who your victim is going to be. You're hoping for high value fishes, right? Like you're going fishing and you don't know if you're going to catch like a mackerel or if you're going to catch like a, 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 a soup can. Right. So that's kind of the gist of this not super targeted on who your victims are just hoping for a large amount of victims so then you can kind of pierce through it and and either find that you got something good or use them as a jump post for further attack and stuff like that so uh security is a i've used security a little bit i think it is a like web app scanner um i'm not 100 percent sure i i have used it in the past though it comes up from time to time Security, yeah, I think it's a website scanner. Let's take a look really quickly. Uh, clean and protect your, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so you could check your own website. It's like a web app scanner, kind of. Like, like, think of like a vulnerability scanner, except for websites.
1: All right, also not sponsors of the show. Just saying, I've used it. Now a word from our sponsor, App Omni. Can you name all the third-party apps connected to your major SaaS platforms, like Salesforce and Microsoft? What about the data these apps can access? After all, one compromised third-party app could put your entire SaaS ecosystem at risk. With App Omni, you get visibility to all third-party apps, including which end users have enabled them and the level of data access they've been granted. Visit appomni.com to request a free risk assessment.
0: All right, so you, know it's, you know it's the mid-roll, so until I get fully off copyright music, we, <laughs> we will not be forgetting about you. all right guys it is the mid roll i do like to take a minute since there's a natural break in the action just to kind of share a couple things with you one i've got a new thank you card here um i you know i took this picture yesterday so the outfit may look familiar i really want to thank all of you for being here in chat for engaging with each other i see you helping each other out answering questions giving resources you know i'm up here doing what i do uh for the stream but you guys are an equally important part and i want you to know that i recognize that and i appreciate that I also want to thank Barricade Cyber and Recon Infosec for sponsoring the stream. I do really enjoy both of those businesses and the people who run them. I'm, I'm good, you know, I'm friends with them and I, I respect them. Also, I haven't been doing this for 241 straight episodes, but I'm going to start doing it now because it does make a difference. If you are enjoying the stream, if you've gotten value so far and you're going to stick around for the second half, take a second and just hit the like button or the thumbs up or whatever it is um that you have right there in front of you it it does affect the way the stream is discovered and the way that the live stream presents so it's not going to change the value of the stream that you're getting but it does let me know that you do enjoy it and that you do like it right exactly that's the like button I do want to remind everybody if you got the newsletter yesterday and I hope you did you got value from it I actually had someone reach out to me and tell me that they were able to immediately copy and paste and deliver instant value and they got kudos from their management because of it. So please don't sleep on this. I do it as a community service for you all to be able to kick major right out the gate on Monday morning. Go to simplycyber.io newsletter and sign up. You're going to like it, believe me. And if you don't like it, unsubscribe. I'm not, I'm not like one of those kitschy sites where like you have to unsub and then fill out a bullet list and then you still get the things. I hate that stuff, so I don't do it. Also, also, tomorrow at 11:30 a.m i will be showing you how Lockbit, the ransomware threat actor group that accounts for half of all attacks in 2022 how they operate shout out to ncc group for documenting the ttps that i'll be using thank you base case and all the great professionals over at ncc group Whew. all right y'all you guys are all awesome but i think it's time to get back into the news thanks simple minds It's too bad. I really like the la, 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 la part, but we're not getting that today. (laughs) All right, let's keep going.
1: Binance Fund hopes to stabilize crypto industry. With the Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing of FTX, it's a bit of an understatement to say that the cryptocurrency industry is going through a rough time. In the past week, other exchanges saw over $8 billion in cryptocurrency assets withdrawn. Now, Binance CEO Peng Zhao announced the exchange would launch an industry recovery fund to help projects who are otherwise strong but in a liquidity crisis. More details will be announced in the coming days, and Binance will open the fund to co-investors. It's unclear right now how much money Binance will invest. Last month, the company opened the Binance Pool, a $500 million lending pool, to help struggling Bitcoin miners. No, no,
0: no, no, no. First crypto, uh, so FinFrock, Joel Belton's got it, but first we have to do this. I'm a crypto
1: evangelist. I love it, love it, love it.
0: Okay, so FTX went under, right? Filed bankruptcy. By the way, I just wanna let people know that um, over $1 billion has gone missing from that. And I think the CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried is like fled the country. Uh, I'm sure that there's no, uh, you know, coincidence there. Okay. So check it out. I don't like this idea and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Binance starting recovery fund. Okay. That sounds like a really altruistic, righteous idea. Hey, let's not see one of these, one of these projects go under, Hey, let's be able to have like a relief fund that we can throw money at them. You know what I cynical Jerry see when I see this, Hey, let's create another pool of money for people to put Put money in, right? I'm sure there's going to be some type of, uh, you know, guaranteed returns on your money because a, it's a, it's a liquidity emergency fund. We're not gonna, we're not gonna do anything crazy with it. It'll be safe to bet, uh, put your money here, right? I don't believe you. Uh, as time has shown. Secondly, who gets to decide? And this is my real problem. Who gets to decide what projects get saved and which ones don't? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Binance who's starting the recovery fund. So now you're gonna have Binance, the largest platform for trading cryptocurrency, deciding who gets to, like, again, I'm speculating, but like follow the lines. Some, not all projects can be saved, right? So then what is the criteria? Who decides what projects get saved? It's gonna be humans deciding it. So now it becomes, oh, I need to make these humans really happy or pay them off because, cash, homie. right so it's going to turn into this like weapon of sorts, right? And and again, I'm completely speculating, but if you just look at it, the money can't go everywhere. It's not going to be a government funded. It's not FEMA for crypto. It's a private run FEMA for crypto and you can't help everybody. So who gets to decide who gets saved and who doesn't, right? It's like bailouts when that happened in 2008. Lehman's brothers, obviously they didn't talk to the right people because they disappeared. But uh, you know some of the other ones. I can't even think of one right now. Um, but you know whatever. Some of the some of the other big hedge funds they didn't go under. They got bailed out, right? So uh, it's just, dude, we need federal regulation. And it like I know the blockchain is supposed to be transparent, but the way that these people are running these businesses and what they're doing with your money, when there is absolutely no protection for the consumer who is getting victimized over and over and over again, is ridiculous. This needs regulation, and transparency, and accountability. crypto it's it's like it's like macro level Ponzi scheme on a level that is unbelievable I call it the wild West all the time for a good reason this thing needs to get reined in here like good good idea Binance and I'm sure in the in the wake of FTX's collapse and a lot of people losing their money this seems like a good idea it'll probably get funded but it just seems like another project
1: Google agrees to largest consumer privacy settlement The search giant agreed to pay $391.5 million as part of a settlement with state attorneys general in 40 states over its location tracking behavior. Google also agreed to improve its location tracking disclosures as of 2023. The AGs allege that Google's settings misled consumers into thinking that they disabled proximity-based data collection. Google claims that it informed users that turning off location history could still allow Google to collect location data to improve the user experience. The Associated Press first reported on these tracking practices in 2018.
0: Okay. All right. So this is a privacy thing. Bye, David Campos. We'll see you out there. Have a good one, Amin Haram. We'll see you out there. Listen, guys. Okay. Google agree. Like, just, just, just get, get this. First of all, 391 million dollars. I, I know. I always like poke fun and joke at how like these fines are pocket change. This is not pocket change. This is almost half a billion dollars. This one hurt, right? This one, this one, they probably got the Google actual CFO to uh, stroke the check on this one. It's a privacy settlement because Google was tracking the crap out of people's locations in a way that wasn't exactly aligned with what they said that they were going to do. Now, let me point something out. The remediation is that the company is going to change its tracking disclosure. They are not changing what they were tracking, what they got their wrist slapped for, or the, you know, the stern talking to that cost them half a billion dollars, almost $400 million. They're not going to change any of that. They're literally just going to change the way that they explain that they're going to track that stuff. Which means if you like using Google uh, apps, if you like Google maps, if you like um, you know, suggested advertising and Google search engines and stuff like that. It's still going to keep coming. They're just going to be more transparent about how they're tracking you. You'll probably get a pop-up that you won't read, that you'll click through, and then Google will be compliant. To be honest with you, I don't even know why Google doesn't just, or any of these major companies, why don't they just overreach with what they say they're going to do because most people are going to agree to it, right? Uh, privacy, European people, privacy is not the same in in the United States that like you guys are used to over there. Um, this is, you know, people are coming waking up a bit more to privacy and the the you know the selling of their data and stuff like that. If you ask FinFrock. <laughs> if you ask fin- oh wow Google's total valuation is 1.13 billion uh 35 trillion dollars well then i guess maybe maybe that is petty cash then Aaron KG thank you uh if you ask Finfrock Finfrock's solution- Where's Finfrock solution where is Finfrock I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. FinFrock's solution to this problem isn't to have tighter privacy controls. It's to give a piece of the pie to all of the U.S. citizens who are disclosing all their information, right? If you're making a trillion dollars off of our data, how about a check for 500 bucks a month? Come on, you know, spread the love. I'll sell you my data. If that's an asset that I have that I can sell you, let's do it. Get, Let me... Let let me get a taste. Let me get in on this action. Let me be an affiliate of Google, of my data. That's FinFrock's solution. Not a a terrible idea, honestly.
1: Assume Zimbra is compromised. That comes from a new alert from the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. It flagged a series of vulnerabilities in the Zimbra collaboration suites being actively exploited by threat actors, resulting in remote code execution and full access to the platform. Zimbra offers a suite of business services, including email servers and messaging web clients. Attacks are suspected across both government and private networks. CISA issued guidance to help secure organizations against these malicious attacks, but the overall message remains if you're using Zimbra, assume you've been breached.
0: All right. So, okay, a couple things. One, Zimbra, I think it's a content management system. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I haven't really heard of it. A collaboration suite. So maybe it's like Google workspaces, just like a, a, whatever, a knockoff version. Um, Here's the thing. We covered this in the daily cyber threat briefing a week or two ago. If you guys remember, right? For, for the squad members and the long-term people, we talked about this. Zimbra came out and said that there was a vulnerability. It was quite serious. It needed to be addressed. We talked about it on stream. I can't remember exactly, but I, I, I do remember saying like, it was pretty gnarly might be remote code execution whatever it was if you're running Zimbra you really really should prioritize taking care of the vulnerabilities all right now fast forward 2 weeks right guys you okay fast forward 2 weeks CISA is now advising that active exploitation has gone up and if you're running Zimbra you are probably compromised which probably which means to me that the exploitation is um not terribly difficult and threat actors have probably developed uh, automated solutions that will scan, find a Zimbra, pop it, report, you know, infect second stage payload, get persistence, report back that it's a compromised host, move on to the next one, right? Uh, like, is not going to bother for just a vulnerability, right? Um, so, here's the two things that I would say about this. One, if you're running Zimbra, you really, really need to get um, get on that right now. The fact that CISA is saying, to assume compromise is not good. Uh, also, if you are running Zimbra and you are compromised, you really should investigate. You should call someone like uh, a barricade cyber solution, like barricadecyber.com. Like you should call someone to come in and actually do a, um a, a, like a breach assessment of how bad this is. Next from a vulnerability management perspective, this is a perfect example where, You, you find out about a vulnerability, okay, and it's bad, but you can patch all the things all the time. You you have priorities. Oh, look at that. New bouncer. Look at this one. Guys, I got new bouncers, so I replaced the uh, the, the one that was there uh, for that one, so uh, hopefully you uh, check that out. Okay, so it, it let me know in chat if you like it or not. I, I don't know. I, I think it's cooler. So... With vulnerability management, yes, you may not be able to patch it this second, but you need to prioritize it. The value, I mean, the risk score of a vulnerability is not static. If it comes out and, you know, two weeks ago, I say the Zimbra server vulnerability is a uh, CVSS score of eight out of 10. You might be like, oh, well, that's just high, or that's just medium. Not a big deal, I'll get to it when I get to it. You must remember with vulnerabilities, there is a temporal score, there is a, uh, a scalar value, there is an adjustment to that vulnerability that moves dynamically as exploitation happens. If there's no proof of concept, if no one's exploiting it, the value of that vulnerability will stay static. However, like in this case, there's not just an exploit out there but it looks like it's actively being used in the uh, ecosystem and it's probably uh, pretty, pretty mature, meaning it can be automated and do all sorts of stuff. That bumps it up to a 10. That is why it's like you should stop listening to the cyber threat briefing this second hit pause, go address this, even at a minimum, take it off internet facing, get it sorted out, then come back and hit play and watch the rest of the stream. Hashtag team replay. But that's my point. You must remember, and this will get you like bonus points in a in a job interview. The school, like the risk of a vulnerability is a dynamic value. It is not a static value, okay?
1: All right. Let's keep. Patch Tuesday breaks authentication. Some of the updates delivered in the most recent Patch Tuesday release from Microsoft cause issues with enterprise domain controllers, resulting in Kerberos sign-in failures on both client and server releases believing computer readers report the issues occur in situations where accounts are set to support Kerberos AES 256-bit and 128-bit encryption in account options or in Active Directory accounts. Microsoft acknowledged the issue and is working on a fix, saying it is not a result of a previously announced security hardening for it, which is planned for November.
0: Wow, okay. A couple things here. One, uh, Jeremy Williams, thanks to the squad support. Genuinely appreciate that. Hopefully, I didn't get a chance to see the pop-up. Um I don't have coffee. I don't have coffee. I came in hot from the Citadel. Uh but trust me if I was I'd be drinking um a, a huge slug of coffee. Jeremy Williams, thanks so much. Um Also, since it didn't play the sound effect.
1: What? Did we just become
0: best friends? Yep. <laughs> All right, thanks Jeremy. Um guys, so Kerberos is um you know, you may have heard the term Kerberoasting, which is a popular offensive security technique to get authentication uh to Windows systems. Kerberos is how modern active directory environments do authentication, okay? It's really, really complicated. I can't even explain it really well, but there's like a ticket granting service, a ticket granting ticket, a ticket granting server. Like there's tickets all over the place and you're you're passing hashes around and stuff like that. Anyways, long story short, Kerberos is important to the way that a modern uh, Windows network, which is like 95% of the world, operates with Kerberos breaking. That's a big problem. Um, so be mindful. This goes, this is also another kind of like reality, um, of patch management and vulnerability management. You know, I, I just talked to you about the Zimbra one. Oh, stop everything and patch it. Yes. Do that. But, but when you're doing patches, you have to roll them out in a, you know, in a, in a very deliberate way. If you just apply all patches, scream YOLO, and then go home for the day, chances are it might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, but one day in the near future, you are gonna dork up your entire environment and you're going to have a really crappy weekend rebuilding things or fixing things or rolling back patches and stuff like that. So when you do patch management, you have to do it in a deliberate way and you would have discovered um, this problem, which is affecting enterprise domain controllers. Now, fortunately domain controllers, even though they sound really, really cool and they're super important, they're kind of, they're kind of simple, right? And you can, you can have, you can spin up another domain controller. That's a copy of the domain controllers, uh, not wicked easy, but it's not super complicated. So if you apply this to one domain controller and it breaks, um, you can, you can fix the situation fairly easy being that being said by rolling back the patches, that's a problem into itself. I don't know how many patches, security patches were involved in this, uh, patch Tuesday update, but because they're cumulative updates, um, you can't, as far as I know, you can't say like, don't apply this Kerberos thing, but apply everything else. You have to apply all of them. So obviously Microsoft is going to be working to get, uh, get it remedied, get an updated patch, roll up patch and get it out there. Um, I'll also just say, because it says enterprise DCs only, um, that should not prevent you from rolling out patches to your endpoints, to your other servers, like file, like any server that's not a DC, um, should be fine. So, it is limited um, in impact, but the domain controllers are really um, important, right? The, the, you know, they're typically the crown jewels, right? Because there's a lot of um, traffic copying going on in the DC. So if a threat actor gets in there, they control the air traffic controller tower, uh, if you will. Where's my... Look at, look, at, look at me, sure. I'm the captain now. Yes. If they get DC, domain admin they're the captain now okay all right
1: let's keep going if you think cybersecurity headlines is all we have to offer from the CISO series
0: all right so that's gonna do it let's play some stream beats up in here hold on one second all right guys I'm still working on a playlist with the stream beat stuff but that's gonna do it for today's news so if you're here just for the news and you don't like jaw jacking um i bid you good day and i appreciate you being here thank you thank you so much uh go forth and do wonderful things if you're here for some jaw jacking and good times i want to remind everybody that this thursday i, I know that the preview here is terrible but this thursday my man zach hill you probably know him from it career uh, secure, uh it career questions i think that's his youtube channel but he's over at um He's over at TCM security as the director of sales and marketing, all the great uh, social media posts, all the great content um, coming out of TCM. That's a lot of his doing. He's a wonderful guy. He really, really cares about helping people like at his core, that's his uh, underlying guiding principles. So he's going to come on. We're going to be talking about cyber education, the market, how TCM is, disrupting it simply cyber frankly is doing some disruption in that space as well um it'll be a good talk we'll get into some other stuff Um we'll talk about how the other day he was at a grocery store and lincoln park was the music playing on and how um it's just a sign of your age when like lincoln park is playing as music uh but you know it is what it is i hope you can join us thursday at 4 30 p.m eastern standard time let's do some jaw jacking guys Dennis, Luis, Marcelo. Oh, by the way, guys, we're going to cut the stream in two minutes because um, in just a few minutes here, I'm going to be premiering the Hospitality to Cyber video, which means I'll be live in chat. It'll kind of look like a live stream, but it'll be a produced video. I'll be live in chat, answering questions, doing whatever, having questions. Jeremy Williams with the the gifted subs. Thanks so much. I'll tell you what. Jeremy Williams is always in here doing super chats, buying me coffee, gifting subs given to the community. Uh, Jeremy, I saw your request for first responder to cyber. I will make that the next one that I do. I'll go back and check chat. If you guys have a career field or an industry that you want to see from that to cyber, tell me in chat and I will prioritize it. My goal is to make like maybe, I don't know, eight to 10 of these videos and have it as like a, a repo where it doesn't matter where you're, where you're coming from, who you are, where you are in life. We will have a video that is tailored for you. And that's that's another project I'm doing. Dental assistant to cyber. Okay, retail to cyber, I like it. Dental assistant, Nick, we could do that. We, maybe we'll go like a little bit bigger of like cl- clinical clinical um, practitioner, right? Nursing, doctor, um, scheduler, scribe. Yeah, we'll do that. Marketing, oh, Alison Van Stone. I like that idea marketing. CISO to server room. Go backwards. I like it. Carl the cyber. Oh, Casey, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if Carl can do it. All right, guys. Uh, The live stream is going to start. The hospitality to cyber is going to start in a minute. So let me jump over there. Hope to see some of you. Thank you so much. This was episode 241 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. You guys are awesome. We'll see you tomorrow, 8 a.m.